Yeah, so 2023 is definitely turning out to be the year of the alien, isn't it? Uh, and we've had those uh, the UAP uh, hearings in Congress. And then this week, um, the Mexican Congress had two reptilian mummies that had, supposedly that had been dug up in a Peruvian mine presented to them in uh, in in a, in a pair of boxes uh, together with huge amount of testimony from various scientific experts uh, who had done various kinds of analyses of the specimens, you know, CAT scans and uh, tomography and uh, DNA analysis and radiocarbon dating and everything. Um, and they were all testifying like, no, this is not a hoax. These have not been assembled from uh, animal parts or whatever. You know, these are actually like some kind of non-human entity, you know, um, and they, they look fake. Like, if you just look at the pictures, they look so fake. Uh, but then again, what would they look like, you know? Um, and uh, I don't know. So I saw a Twitter thread a couple days ago, the day after the hearings in the Mexican Congress. And um, the guy went through uh, all of the sort of um, the highlights of the testimony from the various uh, scientists um and uh, the various analyses that they've done and it, it actually turns out to be a, a apparently like a, a fairly um credible group so they've got people from like the russian national academy of sciences uh and then from mexico they had um they had guys from what's it called the uh, the national autonomous university of mexico which I, a bunch of people online were like that sounds like a completely fake you know uh but it turns out like no that's a real university in, in mexico it's you know considered sort of like the mexican mit or something like that you know it's very prestigious there uh which i found amusing as an aside um just for like the the level of like sort of like i hate to use this term but like you know eurocentric kind of bias in uh the, the twitter sphere where like um you can have these universities that are incredibly prestigious in sort of the developing world context, which no one has heard of in America. So everyone in America just assumes, oh, that place has to be fake. There's no way it exists. Like it's not Princeton or Harvard or MIT or Oxford. So, you know, which, yeah, that was kind of, kind of a funny thing. But there is, yeah, so these things like, so there's a, there's a whole argument that you see that like the, the samples or the, the the mummies were assembled from animal parts. Uh, I, I saw I saw people like opining that like, well, you know, as a as a taxonomist myself, I can tell you that you know this and that like the, that's from a dog and that's from like you know a llama or something. Um, but this was something which was specifically addressed actually by some of the experts in that congressional testimony, and they were like, no, like this is these this, this is does not match any known animal like. There are features to it that just don't show up in any of like the core data from terrestrial biology, uh, and then some of the the details were a bit remarkable as well. Like one of them had eggs, and inside the eggs were like little reptoids. So if it's a hoax, like the Piltdown Man, um, it's a pretty pretty good hoax like it's they went to an impressive level of, de of detail uh 
So I, I don't know. I don't know what to think about it myself. Um, but uh, it is, I think it's really interesting that we've entered into this cultural space this year where suddenly all this 14, all these 14 phenomena um, are, are being treated as real by officialdom where, you know, just a year ago, this was all like, you know, conspiratard fever dream. And, you know, now it's like, no, like this is, there's, you know, NASA's writing a report on UAPs that just came out like a few days ago. And, you know, um, there's the, the AARO that is the, uh, the aerospace anomalies reporting office, which has been set up specifically to report these things to Congress and, um, Various scientific, well, think, society, I, scientific societies just, that are being, being formed in like the private sector in order to uh, to uh, look into uh, these kinds of things. So it's it's we live in a very much stranger reality than we did before, right? Like either this stuff is all fake, and officialdom is embracing this fakeness, or there's something real here and reality is way weirder than sort of official reality that we were living in up until 2023. So yeah. What do you guys think of this? So just to address um, you, cause you, you were talking about officialdom and official answers there at the end. And so I mm. think I'd, I'd like to tackle the second part of what you said. Like, it's sort of like, well, what if it's just that the phenomenon that we're seeing is a change in officialdom? So in other words, like we've talked a lot about the various competency crises, the academic crisis, uh, the obvious um, sort of uh, meltdown of credibility across the board in every sort of institution, institutional authority. And um, whether it's a governmental power structure, whether, you know, in many cases, it's, it's um, we're talking about corporate structures that are melting down and breaking down. Um, and so like that, that's a potential answer. Um, to the phenomenon, like in other, in other words, we were to say, I mean, it, I mean, uh, it is, but, but at the same time, like, um, so okay, you look at like the UAP testimony in Congress, right? So, uh, three people testified. Um, do you, do you guys watch that by the way, the, mm -hmm. the congressional yeah, hearing? A bit of it. Yeah. Yeah. So I watched the whole thing a few weeks ago, um, just to get a sense of it. And like, uh, so, okay. So you got David Grush, um, who, who doesn't strike me like, as stupid at all uh or as incompetent uh quite quite the opposite actually i mean he's an intelligence officer with a background in theoretical physics from his undergraduate training uh and a combat veteran from afghanistan and all this stuff um then the other two were uh pilots and these weren't like you know recent graduates of diversity school these were like you know old school like uh you know um low drag you know high speed like high efficiency uh um products of like the old training system right and these are not the kinds of people that are going to be like stupid um so right and let's just to address that yeah. because i i from what i saw and of grush in particular here's the thing is that what i was saying was was not necessarily that it's that it's purely incompetence or purely graft or purely anything I guess what I'm saying is that Grush could very well believe what he's saying, 
But from what I understand, the majority, if not all of what he's saying is about secondhand accounts. And so here's the thing. It's sort yes, of like all you know, of it. He, he, does not, put up he, does show. Claim, he does not right. claim to have seen anything in and so and so, you know, that before we we started, I was talking about like sort of the old X-Files slogan, I want to believe. And so a man who has a background in theoretical physics and is also a military intelligence officer um, uh, and is also a combat vet veteran. If we look at those and kind of slam all of those um, over top of each other, you know, we might be able to conjure a picture where we have a man who very much wants to believe. Um, and has spent quite a deal of time and effort in sort of exploring the mystery. So, so, of, so maybe of, of the cosmos. So maybe, maybe, but I was watching another interview with Rush just uh, yesterday, and um, like what, what this was done sort of in the aftermath of his of, of the congressional hearing. It's much more sort of relaxed, uh, and he's, he's he's talking to a team of youtubers who like i don't know i guess like they i never heard of them before but i guess they, they kind of do a lot of stuff on like the woo side of the internet um and uh so maybe his answer to this was kind of a psyop part of the psyop right but basically he was like you know he didn't grow up or, or with any sort of particular interest in the phenomenon of ufos like he wasn't like a true believer uh at all um, but he was like, a, what happened, he says, is he was assigned to this uh, inquiry panel that was set up in 2017 after the GoFast video was released and the TikTok story was released and that New York Times story. Um, and like this, this inquiry board was sort of quietly set up to like, OK, I'm going to look into this. And it was just all the conversations that he was having with these top officials uh, in secure settings, you know, people with uh, high-level security clearances who were telling him things behind closed doors. That, like, you know, over time, sort of, he was like, okay, like either, either all of them are uh, sort of playing a giant prank on me. <laughs> Or like there's something real here. That that's basically what he said. So like because I know there is that argument that this is like a, a psyop feedback loop that you know back in like the 50s, the CIA set up like kind of seeded the alien story, the UFO story into the public consciousness in order to give a plausible explanation for weird phenomena associated with top secret aerospace programs. And that then the mythology takes on a life of its own. You come back three generations later and you've got all these people in the culture who like believe that UFOs are real, aliens are real and so on. And then some of those people end up, you know, being sitting members of Congress and uh, having positions inside the military industrial complex and so on. And then they start going looking for this stuff that they're convinced is real. So like, I, I, I've, I've, I've heard that argument. And honestly, I think there's, there's probably some truth to that. Like, um, cause that mythology is definitely there. Right. Uh, and there are definitely a lot of people who like do believe in it, whether that's what happened with Grush. I'm not so sure, but I'm also not so sure what to think of Grush. I mean, he is an intelligence officer. So, you know, like, <laughs> How much can you so it was to? Michael Aquino just just saying. I mean, like there's there's <laughs> right, a lot of um, right, right, right. So so 
and this is the thing. And again, I don't know the guy and I don't know what he thought about aliens. I know what he probably told people that he thought about aliens. Uh, you know, everybody's got a story in terms of like what they claim to believe versus what they, you know, in the, in the privacy of their own minds, um, nobody could really know. And nobody could really know, you know, again, like people that lack self-awareness, um, they may not even be aware of their own biases and their own sort of projections upon reality. So it's sort of like, so he could find himself in the perfect space suddenly where again, combat veteran, right? So we already have like a, a, a person who has a heroic self-image to some degree. Um, I'm not saying that that's across the board for all military personnel, but certainly like people who've seen action, um, uh, have put themselves in harm's way, uh, uh, certainly don't, you know, they're not, they're, they're not going to, they may be threat oriented. Let's put it that way. They may be like the type of person personality who says like, well, I want to engage a threat, a problem of some sort, um, and even a dangerous one. And aliens in that sense represents the ultimate, met, the ultimate meta problem, the ultimate meta threat, right? And so we have that element that's already there. And the same pre-existing with the combat pilots as well and their sightings. Uh, and then we have, again, a system of, of passing along information, um, data, essentially. You know, um, data is endlessly manipulable. Like, what, this goes for the, the sort of the, the, the teams of research scientists that are proving, you know, per Peruvian reptile mummies and, and whatnot. Um, it, really is, it really isn't that difficult to trick someone, even a, even a research scientist who, again, is not a master of his tools. He's a master of his methods. Um, not all of these people are technicians. And so uh, I think, I'm not going to say it's trivial to be able to, tr to trick them, to con them, but I think it's easier than it was before when there was a lot more crossover between technician and sort of research theor theoretician. Um, and so now I think you have over-specialization where like, you could potentially manipulate even on the fly, even in the ether, um, even during the transmission or transaction layer of like moving data across um, from one position to another. Uh, I think that like you could very well trick people, even people that are otherwise honest people. Um, uh, and this is, this, this is, again, I'm just assuming that like none of them were paid off or bribed in any, or in any way threatened I, or coerced, which is a I huge assumption know. these days. I don't, I don't know that it's, that that's necessarily true. I mean, like once that, that, get... that people could be tricked by their own data. So like, they which can part? Draw in... so, okay. So like, obviously like humans can draw incorrect conclusions from data. They do it all the time, uh, including, you know, scientific professions. Um, but when it comes specifically to forgeries and you're talking about, uh, passing off a forgery to, um, people who really are like, you know, experts in, in that specific thing, which is trying to be forged, uh, that is much harder than people think it is. Oh, I think it's, I think it's hard. I think it's hard. Don't get me wrong. I think it's difficult. Like it's, I'll, I'll compare it to art forgeries, right? Because again, like in the art market, you had like a huge sort of forgery black market yeah. going on and like where people would be. And why was the main reason that they were able to get away with these forgeries? And I think it maps back to, I want to believe like it's that, that credulity helps with the illusion more than anything else. 
Like, I agree that it's difficult to do. It's difficult to no, the more expertise if, if someone, someone has. If someone is primed to believe in something, then like, yeah. I mean, so according at least to like some of the quotes from the Twitter thread, um, you know, and this is all like translations from Russian and uh and and spanish neither of which i am fluent in so hey i haven't like watched the mexican testimony myself right i've, I've just read a couple of expert excerpts that were, were translated but by and large um a lot of them like they were being pretty careful like they weren't like they weren't like this is proof of aliens right they were like well we don't know what the fuck this is it doesn't match anything we've seen in terrestrial biology uh there's no obvious signs uh, that you would expect from like um, something having been hoaxed. Like it seems like it's a real thing, like a real product of biology. Uh, and they kind of like leave it at that, right? Like they, they're not like saying like, yes, definitely aliens. Um, now, I mean, you don't like the Piltdown Man hoax, of course. But I mean, this is interesting. Piltdown Man is actually interesting in another way. Think about it. Because, uh, so, you know, for anyone in the audience who hasn't heard of Piltdown, so that, that, this was this um, supposed fossil of a missing link that was dug up in England in the early 20th century. And it basically had like a human cranium and this gigantic, you know, uh, jawbone. Um, and uh, it turned out later, but I think it took about 20 years for the hoax to be exposed that um the the cranium was a human cranium and the jawbone is from like an orangutan or something uh so but the, the right, interesting it's, thing it's similar to Bront brontosaurus brontosaurus like they like where brontosaurus would be more what i'm talking about than piltdown man it doesn't need to be a hoax it on all angles of it like brontosaurus is just people putting together the, the puzzle pieces in the wrong in the wrong order or sure, putting sure, together pieces that, from that, different that, puzzles that, that, that can absolutely happen but in this case what i think what i find interesting is that um the the basic paradigm of there are missing links between the lower primates and the hominidae, hominidae um homo sapiens ultimately that basic sort of framework is as far as we can tell now completely true right like those fossils exist we found numerous different species uh, we can trace out an entire evolutionary tree, which is fairly coherent at this point. Um, but the fossil, but that the Piltdown Man itself was a hoax, right? So, like, you so know, if, you here's, apply, if you apply the same, here's how this could it's be. Like, it's like you could have like a hoax alien body, but that does not prove that, like, you know, the basic paradigm of there are non-human entities out there is totally bullshit. Uh, well, the, here's the here's the thing. You can you can easily you don't even need to do dat data wizardry in order to to get this done. In order to produce a life form that has no, or let's put it this way, not a life form, but a biological body that contains DNA and and other structures that um, that do not appear to be of terrestrial origin, or at least don't appear to be from any animal that we know of. Well, you know how that could be done. That could be done through genetic engineering. Okay. In other words, you don't have to create a living, breathing organism. As a matter of fact, you could you could create something that essentially is stillborn, and still come up with what what appears to be um, a DNA solution 
uh, that it, it does not in, match anything in the known in, records. So, in, so in it can be done. In, in, in principle, in principle, I think that's right. In practice, I don't know that. I mean, like, so this is like again before we started recording, right? Like you know, I, I mentioned that story about like the the Peruvians being attacked by aliens that was in the media like a, a month ago, and then it turned, and then there was like a couple days later, like it turned out that, like oh, actually it was like mercenaries working for a mining company who were zipping around on fucking jetpacks, uh, yeah. and right, so like you know, basically veering from one sci-fi explanation to another, right, and like. I feel like that scenario you just used painted is sort of in a similar sense, right? It'd be like, like in principle, yeah, you could do that. Like, but in practice, if our genetic engineering uh, capabilities were sophisticated enough to come up to do something like that, um, like that would be to me as incredible as finding an actual mummified alien like it, no, i mean i don't think i don't think so that the, far well, the, no it's so far beyond like what like so far what, what we've done with genetic engineering is like what like we uh we, we bacteria that eat oil or um you know fish with glow-in-the-dark skin because you put in one gene from uh, a bioluminescent algae or right. uh you know corn which is like resistant to roundup you know like it's like really basic shit like that like not where it's like you know so it, the, it, it the bodies that we saw it, though right like but it, the bodies we're able to we're able to do stuff where we're like you know we like we as as far as has been publicly released right genetic engineering is at the level of like sort of you get like an, an existing organism to express one protein that it wouldn't normally express, but it's not yet at the level of, you know, uh, making an intelligent tree that can walk around on its roots or something, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not claiming that. I'm not, I'm not claiming that at all. What I'm saying is, is that you could like, if you look at the bodies that were, <laughs> that were kind of wheeled out in front of the Mexican Congress, everybody said the same thing. Well, they look fake. Well, it's because yeah. they are fake. You know, in other words, I'm, I'm not saying that they grew like an actual being that looked like that in some kind of a vat. What I'm saying is, is that they could add trace evidence to a fake structure, to a essentially a prop, a Hollywood prop, and like maybe fool enough people that, again, are primed to believe, you know, but that they can maybe... They could but be, in, practice, in other words, they're, they're injecting it. They're injecting it with some artificial DNA concoction, um, which would, is essentially you, you, just a, again a static prop, like not a not a being, not a thing that you, walked around or even formed that way. It's just a just a, a dummy essentially. Um, and like and through that, through the use of like coupled with the imagination, coupled with um, again the inbuilt uh, credulity, which is what I'd like to talk about more is like, why is there this inbuilt credulity? And why does it seem to mainly infect, um, let's call call it the postmodern sciences? Like why, well, why is it that, why is it that, that something that looks that fake uh, could, could kind of like infect in a sort of a mind virus kind of a way? Um, so many intelligent people. And again, I think many of them well-meaning intelligent people. Um, but then, then we get into what well-meaning is, and and I I do think that there are there is an instinct, um, and I'd like to get the other the rest of your reactions on this that maybe the instinct to want to believe so-called in in uh, in, in so-called aliens, 
like maybe that is rooted in something that's not so nice. Maybe it's rooted in something that's almost Malthusian. And we see Malthusianism everywhere these days. Um, and that Malthusian sort of nihilistic principle that like, we can't be as special as we seem to be, or as many of us claim to be, that humanity itself is just another animal, um, is, is, is no different, no more important, no more special than any other thing that walks or crawls. And I think that maybe there's something to that. There's something to the notion that we want to believe that, um, that not only are we not special, but that there are beings that are far more advanced than us. And, and we could go through all of, all of mythology, all of religion, we could start spanning back, you know, as to prehistory. Um, and we will see this, we will see this notion uh, popping up again and again, that like, we are not the top of the, we're not, not only are we special, but we're not at the top of the food chain. And I think maybe that's a very potent um, belief structure for people that gravitate towards the hard sciences. You know, this, this notion that, that somehow um, we are, uh, we, we're not alone. And I, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I don't think that that's specifically um, necessarily, it's not necessarily a bad uh, thing. It's not necessarily well, bad it, to, because it, again, it, it maps back it to does, humility and you know, before say, the grandeur exactly, of the cosmos yeah. and the mystery, right. but it's yes. sort of like, but it can go overboard. You know, like anything else, I think it could stray into territory, and 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 I'd like to get other people's thoughts on this because what I my my base assumption about this is that this is an illusion. This is something that is being done um, that has a certain incentive, like all of the the idea of generations of of let's say UFO propaganda and counter propaganda. Um, I, I think it's been leading somewhere, and I think that we are being primed to see where that's been leading. And I think it's to sort of a grand illusion of sorts. And I'd like to get everybody's thoughts on, on that. What if the entire goal of all of this has been to prime us um, for some kind of a mass extinction level threat that would galvanize the entire planet? And remember, we have people, we have globalists that we're dealing with that are seeking to rule the world um, under a single banner. And what if this is the sort of the project that's been lurking in the background all along beneath, you know, scams like COVID or climate change? You know, it's like that's not working. It's not working fast enough and it's not working well enough um, for the people that engineer them. So what if this is their kind of Hail Mary pass? And 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 if you don't think it is, like like I'd like to know like what you think that Hail Mary pass might look like. Okay, well, I've got a few things to say about that. First, on the on the subject of kind of the the wanting to believe and the the hard scientists kind of um, being predisposed to see it a certain way, I think it's that. I mean, from my experience, it's kind of the opposite. That the the people who are most into the scientists in, into the sciences are the most um, out of the general population are the most non receptive to to these ideas to the point where the few just to, scientists just to, just to just to just to i just want to verify from my personal experience and i think i have more experience in those circles than anyone here yes that's uh -huh. exactly true that's exactly true right so i and so if you look at the few scientists that at least go public i mean it's usually it's this tiny minority who are usually um 
you know, they have to have a, a bit of uh, disagreeableness, you know, as kind of smart people, a lot of geniuses tend to do to, to go against the grain. You look at the history of like, um, you know, even J. Allen, J. Allen Hynek, who was working for Project Blue Book, you know, he was, uh, he was prime debunker while in private, he was, he was eventually convinced, okay, there's something to this. And then eventually came forward. And, you know, now he's just remembered as a, a UFO nut, James McDonald, who, who was um, like some kind of atmospheric scientist and was one of the only mainstream, like, um, like reputable scientists at the time who was like, no, there's actually something to this. And um, he ended up committing suicide because his, uh, you know, he, dealing with like Phil Class and the, the the arch debunkers who were the the kind of prime materialists that uh, that seemed to be violently against the idea of even looking at at uh, UAP or UFOs scientifically, and that for the most part is kind of still the the status quo nowadays because of. Um, the past six years of, of you know, first the Leslie Kane and Ralph Blumenthal, their article in the New York Times, outing uh, the ATIP program in the, in the Pentagon. Now there's like um, a bit more of a, a bit more of a, of a of a place for scientists to say, oh, well, actually, I'm kind of, I, I am interested in this. And there's like, but it's still a, a tiny, a tiny group that you could probably count. You could count the public names you know, on one or two sets of hands. And so there's, there seems to be two kind of, um, well, you know, at least two approaches. And one seems to be the kind of underground, what Jacques Valley called uh, the invisible college type of scientists and, and military intel people who are like interested, but do it, who, who for the most part over the past 50 years have conducted their, you know, UFO studies and in total privacy and without any without any publicity, because they didn't, you know, they wanted to keep their careers and reputations. And then you have just the popular approach, which is, I think, I think more what Mark, what, what, what you're saying applies is more like the more like the general population. If you look at the random people on Twitter, where the vast majority of people who 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 are getting behind the the Peruvian reptile mummies just seem like regular people. And then there's this, again, this tiny group of, of scientists who, who are, um, who are getting behind it. Now, personally, I, I tend to, I tend to think that the, that these, the, that these are hoaxes and that th these scientists involved have kind of convinced themselves that, uh, there's something to it, something more to it. Like even with the, with the genetics, like apparently some geneticists have looked at it and they said something like 70% of the DNA is not like anything we we've seen before. I've seen other people like other geneticists online saying, well, that doesn't really mean anything that uh, they won't necessarily come down one way or the other, but saying that there's all kinds of stuff that can, that can lead to genetic results like that, including species that we haven't um, got the genomes for like, you know, certain types of maggots and, st and stuff like that, that there's a whole, that, that, that those results can easily be consistent with just a whole lot of um, contamination of the the actual samples. Whether yes, they could have just they could have glad you said that because I was I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, they, it, but but yeah, it wouldn't necessarily take any like advanced like uh, CRISPR technology to do that. You really right. just, no like, no. I I, I was just, just like looking dump, for a, for the conspiracy of, version. 
<laughs> dump, dump a bunch but, of cells in a blender and uh and, and yeah. yeah 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 so well, that's mean, what i was basically I'm, saying yeah yeah i'm uh so like you guys, I mean, looking at those things, I'm like, oh man, those just, those just look fake. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm going to kind of like, I'll, I'll even, I'll, I'll keep an open mind about it, but I'm going to, I'm, uh, I'm coming down, coming down <clears throat> for now on the, on the hoax, uh, on the hoax um, side of the equation, but we'll see. But for, um, okay. So, so two other things, one about the, um, about the super advanced beings, I think maybe the simplest answer is just that it's a it's a strong belief that, and throughout you know the, the history of humanity because it's just true that we that we aren't the top of the food chain so I'll just throw that out there but that at the same time I well um going along with your idea mark about this all leading this being an illusion to lead to something well it could be an illusion leading towards something that is the product of something that's non-human that 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 might be part of its plan because um like i've i've been interested in like ufos for a long time and i've read a lot of stuff about it and aside from the like the the history of alleged interactions with non-human intelligences which go back of course you know for for all of human history the ufo phenomenon itself is about a hundred and you know, at, at least 120, 130 years old. Now, so if this was a plan, um, you know, put in put in place by the, you know, the global elites for some purpose, well, then they've been, then they've basically cracked highly advanced forms of technology in like the, the late 1800s, which I don't think um, is a very plausible explanation. What seems to have been, been the case is since the 1890s, there have been tech, there's been uh, like sightings of of what seem to be technological craft that outpace the current um, you know the the current state of the art at every at every time since the creation of like of manned flight and well even unmanned flight you know from uh well from manned flight we'll we'll leave it there and from the at least the 1940s there's been this division between the the official and the public version of of what the what the authorities have said where where in public they'll say there's nothing to this we have no evidence of you know anything um anything out of the ordinary and then behind closed doors at the at the top levels of every high level agency of you know of the executive branch and the military they've all been like scrambling and taking the taking it extremely seriously because they have no well, at least at the beginning and who knows about uh, the year since have no idea what's going on like the like the twining memo from 1947 where he says you know okay this is this is our estimate of the situation that these things are real and not visionary they you know they have the the ability to you know um the ability to to performance abilities that va vastly outstrip that anything we can even imagine and that's been the case that, that's been the case since since the well since the late 1800s but in the in military circles and intelligence circles, you know that's been in the in their you know top secret estimates of and top secret you know reports since the late '40s. So, and then looking at crash retrievals, if we get back to to Grush, the you know, the first crash retrievals are in the mid '40s, 
And then things go dark in like the 50s and 60s after, um, you know. Actually, after, according, according to Grush, the first crash of people was in the 1930s right, right, right. in Italy. In the 30s yeah. in, in Europe. By yeah. Mussolini. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, <laughs> well, there's a, a bunch more stuff there. But at least in the U.S., um, you know, even according to Grush, they, the, the Americans allegedly got a hold of that one after World War II. So, there is there is a bunch more stuff there because like of course there, uh, Grush in the not in the congressional testimony but in his interview afterwards he uh, also alluded to um, Project Paperclip having mm -hmm. been interested in uh, German uh, crash retrieval programs and then of course mm -hmm. there's the infamous um, what they call like the 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 nazi bell or something like that like the, yeah. the 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 german ufo uh that they were working on supposedly i mean i think i, I think there's a picture of it so like you know i don't know mm -hmm. but like yeah um but yeah i mean it, it, it there is some indication in, in the historical literature that this is something that not only the american government have been working on and you know since since the 1930s you know mm -hmm. but i mean yeah for the u.s as far as you know the first recorded crash retrieval was roswell in 1947. yeah there's there, yeah. there's hints at another at a couple previous in the in the 40s but not nearly as uh as well documented as as roswell but then in the so then in the late 70s i mean grush isn't the first person to come forward and say this in the late 70s there was a whole string of uh of you know alleged leaks to a, a researcher named leonard stringfield who collected, you know, like a, a 600 page book of, of all these, of all these people that he talked to some low level, you know, just military grunts, some high level people talking about, you know, a bunch of tr crash re retrievals over the years. And then in the in the 80s and 90s, apparently, um, well, if you look at the Admiral, Admiral Wilson and and Eric Davis notes, apparently during the well, so this was in 97, apparently the um, you know, Admiral Wilson, who was like, j2 or something in the joint chiefs of staff he he talked to um some guys from nids um bigelow's group and uh they, they told him okay well here's well and stephen greer <laughs> stephen greer is a whole other story but they basically said okay you you should look into this there are there are like un unacknowledged special access programs that are operating without um proper you know, congressional oversight or even, um, you know, military executive oversight. And uh, you should look into this. Well, and apparently he he found these programs tracked like billions of dollars that were um, in the budgets that were unaccounted for and tracked down three or four of these programs of the same type that Grush is talking about. And um, and they essentially the, the, the guys running the program essentially said, no, you know, you might be J2. You might theoretically have the the um you know the ability to to look into our stuff but we're not showing you anything and we don't and we actually don't have to well, one of the and, interesting things in Grush's testimony was um he kind of outlined how that worked at mm -hmm. uh um an organizational level which uh apparently it's mostly done inside the inside the uh the private sector um yeah. You have all of these sort of like hidden programs and like Lockheed Martin and Boeing and so forth, uh, which are funded by misappropriated defense funding that just like, you know, like they like things like um, 
you know, the infamous uh, golden toilet seat on a, on a, on a submarine, right? Where you're like, oh, we're going to bill like, you know, $50,000 for a toilet seat, uh, that mm -hmm. kind of thing. And, you yeah. know, what's actually, and people usually are just like, oh, that's his graft, you know, but like what he, he's basically saying like, no, like what's actually happening is like that, that overbilling is then used to like, sort of like funnel funding towards these private sector uh reverse engineering programs, which because they're a private sector are uh, exempt from FOIA requests. Like they kind of exist like outside of the direct chain of command. Um, like it, it's all sort of like, you know, ends up being proprietary information that like actually they don't have to share with, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the joint chiefs or, you know, congressmen or nosy reporters or anyone. Um, so I, it that was one of the most plausible things in his entire testimony. It was like that. It just made sense. Um, so yeah, yeah. Harrison had yeah, so, brought up. Go ahead. I was going to say you brought up uh, Stephen Greer. I was curious what you guys make of this because you have, I mean, Stephen Greer and his crew on one side making movies and you know making all these appearances and statements, and then the George Knapp, Jeremy Corbell, Bob Lazar crew on the other side and they're kind of saying the same thing but mm -hmm. with opposite conclusions like Stephen Greer oh the aliens are benevolent and the government doesn't want us to know about them because they use this advanced technology that would undermine the you know the whatever the fossil fuel industry or the energy infrastructure or whatever you know they it would inhibit their ability to control us whereas like uh you know Bob Lazar and his camp it's like uh, they're malevolent the, the government are you know and i like they haven't that they don't want us to know about it because it would undermine our belief that they can't that they're really in control even um but what do you make of that i mean because well why not why our, not both, I mean, why not both? It why could not both be. right so so like so like there's often this sort of assumption it's a bit implicit uh in people in, in the communities that study this stuff but like aliens are like uh or whatever they are ultra terrestrials like you know who who fucking knows um are are like a um a unified front right that it's like it's all sort of like one group with one agenda you know they're here to do one thing but that's never made any sense to me personally because you know i see if i if, if, the only the only model that we have for an intelligent species is humanity right so, okay, when has humanity ever been unified, right? We've never been unified, even, like, certainly not of a species. Level. Um, but even if you drill down to sort of lower levels, uh, the continental levels or what have you, I mean, it's, there's, it's not unified. Like, Asia has never been unified. Europe has never, even during the Roman Empire, Europe was not unified, right? No um, life is unified. Ants, ants are not unified. Ant hills go to war with each other. This is this is right, this is just a right. product of a byproduct of life, right. not no, of intelligence. No, precisely, precisely what I'm getting is like, and you never have this, right? So, like, um, so you know, it, assuming that you have, and there's no reason to expect that, that would be any different for a far more advanced uh, species or. You know, so I mean, okay. So first of all, for one thing, like you know, why do you assume one species when you know it could be thousands of different species? And then they're are they going to be unified? Like I fucking doubt it. Um, but even if it is, like just like the one species, right? Like say you know the human race expands and 
becomes an interstellar civilization, do we really think that it's all like going to be like one giant empire ruled by the earth, you know, like hell no, like you're probably not even going to have the earth unified by that point. We're going to have China, Russia, South America, and Africa, and North America will all have Europe, you know, we'll, we'll all have their own sort of like little space empires, just the way that Europe, the way European imperialism works during the age of exploration. Um, and they'll have, you know, there, and even inside like a given cultural group you'll have different groups with like different uh agendas so like simple example right like take the scenario where earth is under some kind of interdict like you know we're uh an interstellar wilderness preserve right um okay well we have wilderness preserves we also have poachers that go on to wilderness preserves in order to like do big game hunting or whatever uh so You've got one group of the aliens who are or trying cable to news shows that isolated film the right. preserve for entertainment for the people. right. So yeah, like one one group is just trying to like you know, humans like, gone keep, wild. It was trying to try to like keep the earth wild, as it were. You have another group, other groups which just want to be here to like yeah, exactly like you know get like the National Geographic documentaries, right? The Interstellar Geographic. Uh, and then, you know, you've got your, your poachers who are here, like, you know, eating our fucking loosh or something. Um, like, so, you know, some of them would be benevolent, some would be malevolent and some would be, and the vast majority would be completely indifferent, you know, which is the other thing, of course, like, so, you know, what, one of the analogies that people have made, which I think is maybe a good one is, uh, Sentinel Island, right. Where you've got this, like stone age tribe living on this isolated island in the indian ocean that india just like lets them be um and uh okay like you know what is our civilization yeah. what is our civilization's interaction with them well we're kind of aware of them the overwhelming like 99.999 percent of the species actually aren't aware of them the small number who are aware of them it's like this kind of curiosity that they don't really care about and like, you know, every once in a while, there's some idiot who's like, I'm going to convert them to Christianity or something <laughs> like goes there and gets killed. Right. So like, you know, if we're like the North Sentinel Island, uh, then like the most of the most of the alien civilization doesn't care about us. Most of most of it doesn't even know we exist because we're that irrelevant. The small number who do care about us. Uh, or, or, or are aware of us or kind of like we're a curiosity and then like every once in a while one of their idiots comes here and you know does something illegal um, uh, alright alright wait a minute hold on Let, let's slow down here a minute because you guys have been throwing out a lot of dates a lot of numbers a lot of a lot of projections and and potentialities let's slow down because I want to I want to return to what Harrison was saying about reputation. Um, and actually, uh, before I get into that, uh, in, and like what people truly believe versus what they will claim to believe uh, based on like what authority ladder they're scaling, what institution, what bureaucracy, what are their goals, what are their incentives, what do they think might um, damage that? Like I've talked, to, I've written before about uh, Camille Flammarion, for example, um, who, you know, he was he was um, an astronomer at the Paris uh, Observatory before like he wrote a book about aliens that kind of got him expunged from polite society. And this was in the late 19th century. And actually let's look at some dates because uh, I want to go back. You guys are talking about the thirties and forties. Let's go back to the Montgolfier brothers, uh, 1783. 
uh, their first public public unveiling of their hot balloon uh, hot air balloon launches, right? Uh, now, hot air balloon technology was very new at the time. And the people that had, had not experienced it before, looking up in the sky, they would see something amazing, right? We didn't have mass mediums, even uh, mass communications, transmission mediums like we do now. So the, around about the end of the 18th century, you probably had a lot of people reporting a lot of strange shit in the sky that they attributed to something that was not man-made. We could almost guarantee that. I don't know that for sure. In the same way that I can't know that anything was recovered from crash sites in the 1930s or 1940s. Another thing that I do know, though, more or less, is that H.G. Wells wrote The War of the Worlds in, what, 1895 or thereabouts? Okay. I'm looking at this from the artist's perspective. The artists have been promoting this idea, predicting it. And we did have technology that was putting things in the sky that were strange well before the Great War, well before World War I uh, and World War II. Um, so to look at it from the skeptic's end, what I see is that um, War of the Worlds, first the, the novel and then um, the broadcast, the infamous broadcast, kind of pushed this into the public consciousness, this idea. Um, and so did just the development of, you know, of, of aircraft and, and mil particularly military aircraft bombers like um, uh, Spitfires, all of these things about these this idea is pushing into the consciousness this idea of threats from the sky. Um, and so in a way, that's not a conspiracy. That's just sort of what happened. What happened was a, a variety of different mediums and forms of technology and arts like assembled the kind of uh, a kind of armature in, into which we could easily nestle all of these projections about what if we're what if we're a reality TV show for some one or more alien empires? Well, yeah, okay, what if? But like, I have no evidence of that. Like, I don't see anything that 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 doesn't seem like it's a projection of some other historical facet. We do it all through analogy. Like, we even we're doing it just now. When we're saying like, oh, Papua New Guinea, like we we send a Christian missionary, maybe maybe he uh, maybe he gets eaten. Okay, maybe, but like you know, these Mexican aliens. I I, I just took another look at the a picture of them while, while everybody was talking. It's just comically not real. Like I don't know any other way to put it. Like it's comical. You know, it's clown world shit. Like it, this does not seem like a, a very good. It almost seems like somebody's making fun of me, like trying to like make me think that this could possibly be real. And so it's like, it doesn't mean that it's impossible. I'm not saying that. What I'm saying is, is that like, I need more than Grush and a couple of dummies that like, that are, you know, infected or contaminated with DNA or, or maybe, you know, assembled as a hoax. Like it's sort of like, and, and I think that I'll get it. And this is what I fear. I fear I will get what I'm asking for, good and hard. I fear that you know when I when I we before the again before we we started um, recording, like I was talking about. I think I, I sent a link to like some of the, the 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 creepy robots that like Boston Dynamics is making, for example. Like it's sort of like people people always jump to the sci-fi solution, like like oh it's, it was guys with jetpacks. It wasn't aliens. It was guys with jetpacks. You know, um, in the Scooby Doo mystery that is Clown World. You know, it would it would be very, very, again, trivial to take some of these robots, slop some Hollywood makeup and goop on them, um, um, set them loose 
in some like, probably Central American or South American pu- uh, republic, um, uh, get a bunch of people with cameras to record it all and pass it off as an alien invasion. And, and I think that events of the past two decades have told me that like in my blood somewhere, I know that that's about to happen. And like, you know, I also know that I ought to be prepared for it. You know, if I see something weird in the sky, um, my first first thought is going to be hot air balloon, or in this case, a, a, you know, some kind of a drone that's dressed up to look like it's something that it's not. And my or question, in this room, or a, or a I'm getting the hologram. I don't, I don't believe that the hologram is necessary. Maybe it's a hologram, but I, but I don't think that it's 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 it necessary depends. to pull well, off you know, the kind it, of it, illusion. It cred- credulous people. No, it depends. It depends, right? So it's just if it's just floating there stationary, it's like, okay, balloon. Like, yeah, obviously. If it's, you know, accelerating to Mach 15 and then making right angle turns and shit, or like, you know, remaining stationary in hurricane force winds or any of the other weird stuff that uh, pilots are supposedly reported, it's really hard to make a balloon do that, or a drone for that matter, or uh, a helicopter or like any a fixed wing aircraft. Like, um, but you could, if you had a good enough hologram technology, like, uh, you can, you know, make that beam of light zip around however you want to make it zip around, right? Sure, um, sure. And that's, right. that's a possibility. I'm, I, I, what, what I'm thinking of is something simpler, like where it's sort of like, okay, so the next simplest solution, if I see something that's behaving that way in the sky, my next instinct is to say, okay, so what kind of technology could potentially do that? You know, because whether it's aliens or whether it's us, you know, you have to link it to some kind of physical phenomenon, I assume. And so if it could be aliens, it could also be us, given a certain definition of us, like given the definition of us that says there are people, um, organizations, individuals, um, uh, clandestine groups that may have uncovered some kind of uh, technology, something to do with maybe magnetism. I don't know. Um, but, but potentially like, like why, why would we jump to aliens immediately when again, we know that like technological leaps occur, um, behind closed doors. And in fact, probably do. Um, certainly we know that in, in the sort of the biomedical fields, in, um, in, in, in basically anything pertaining to military contracting, everything's top secret, everything's behind closed doors. So it's like, like again, my, my, my answer, my question is why aliens, why does aliens, why does aliens seem like the more the yeah, this logical is the, the, the breakaway, answer? The, the, <laughs> like, the break, the breakaway civilization hypothesis, which is. Yeah. John Gall, like, uh, well, you know, that's, he's, that's, he's buried is, in a bunker. Is, which is which is frankly like just as as crazy sci-fi as aliens like it's like sure. it's basically that like that well, that's a little like, less like, uh, I mean like you basically imply like so the breakaway civilization in its purest form is basically saying that like um, all of the real technological breakthroughs of the last century you know everything from Tesla's notebooks to the anti-gravity research that was going on in the 1950s all of it. Uh, got sequestered by the super rich who um, have quietly built this hyper advanced civilization for themselves, which they've managed to almost completely conceal uh, from the rest of the species. And I'm not saying this is like, you know, like I would never believe they would do this. Cause I mean, like these people are fucking evil. It's like, even without the breakaway civilization aspects, like, I mean, they're just, 
they're just bad people. So like if they had the opportunity to do this, would they? Yeah, I could believe that. But I mean, like, you know, you're then sort of positing that they have access to effectively what are UFOs, um, like flying saucers and the whole bit. Uh, So it's like that crazy sci-fi technology exists um, and within certain circles is even in, in regular use. It's just, it wasn't aliens, it, it was humans, which, okay. I mean, like, if, like, that's certainly, uh, that's a hypothesis, which is out there. It's a narrative, which is out there inside sort of like conspiracy-sphere, like mythology, right? What would you um, say about, I mean, you say breakaway civilization, so this is more like a, a recent thing. But there's also the idea, you know, and some of this comes back to, the narrative that we have or the history or whatever the official account of things as they are, how they got to where they are so full of holes and anomalies, you know, that people are saying, okay, there's, you know, I mean, for example, like the work of like, uh, you know, Randall Carlson or um, Graham Hancock or, you know, about there appear to be these ancient cataclysms and maybe there were advanced civilizations and there's signs that this idea that, you know, there's just been this linear upward process uh, progress since like 7,000 years ago or whatever. And there was nothing before that doesn't seem to, it seems to leave a lot that it can't explain or, you know, and so then there's the idea, well, where did this ancient civilization go? You know, so that's when. And what if, what, yeah, exactly. What, like, what if, what if, what if the Atlanteans have like an outpost to be like in the, an underground city? That yeah. Or, or yeah. the moon. The moon, yeah. too. You know, I mean, which or, is, sounds or crazy. hiding in plain sight. Sounds or crazy, hiding in plain but, sight. Well, yeah. You know, you know, yeah, among yeah. us, uh, so to speak. So, like, in other words, so, if I, it doesn't have to be a breakaway so, civilization, so, so, it could be just so, a breakaway technology and culture. Um, um, sure. Yeah. Sure. Ahead. I mean, the breakaway civilization is just kind of like the the, the the nomenclature that's applied to that class of of narratives, right? Um. So the, the the point that I was really just getting at is that like, would you? Those kinds of narratives are, to my mind, no more implausible, and no more plausible really than aliens. Um. Like, it's kind of, they, they just, they're, they're sort of as incredible to me. So, like, I mean, if I can draw, like, an analogy to, like, you know, current, much more standard scientific questions, right? So, like, y'all have heard of dark matter, I'm sure. Um, so, like, you know, dark matter is inferred from the fact that when we look at how stuff moves on a large scale inside, like, galaxies or galactic clusters or what have you, it doesn't move the way we would assume it should move from Newton's laws, uh, given how much stuff we can see. And th- there are sort of two possibilities that open up from that to explain what we see. One is that there's a bunch of stuff we can't see, which we call dark matter, um, which can then be added into Newton's equations to make them balance out. And the other possibility is actually on a large scale, Newton's just wrong. Uh, and things don't move that way. They move in a, su- a slightly different way, and you need to modify those equations, which is something called modified Newtonian dynamics, um, which it turns out that you can explain everything that you see pretty much equally well with both of those. And, like, there are some things that one can't explain, but then it turns out the other one explains them really well, even better, and then vice versa. So how do you distinguish between them, right? Um, and i mean inside sort of conventional astrophysics like dark matter is like sort of like 
that's the accepted explanation. And if you are pushing for Mond, then you're just a crazy, con- well, not conspiracy theorist, but like you're marginalized, right? Um, because for some reason, there's this prejudice, like invisible stuff doesn't inter- interact electromagnetically with anything else in the universe and only interacts gravitationally is somehow more plausible than Newton was just wrong when you get beyond the scale of a solar system. Uh, and to, to, to my mind, it's like, well, those are both kind of remarkable and equally plausible and also equally implausible. Like, um, and I, so, I mean, I would apply, I would sort of, the idea that there are other intelligences in this vast cosmos does not strike me as inherently implausible. The idea that bad actors with a lot of resources on the earth would act to sequester technology for their own benefit uh, behind like, you know, walls of secrecy uh, over the course of like a century is also actually not that implausible. Um, they're sort of equally and they're, they're equally sci-fi, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's uh, um, and then like, okay, let's, well, let's, then th- let's a, throw another monkey wrench into it. Then let's then, offer then even a, a third it's solution. All, it, it, it's, it's all yeah. a hoax, you know, like that there, there's this, this vast effort to trick the entire human species into thinking that there are either aliens or a breakaway civilization, which for the sheer scale and audacity of such an approach is equally amazing. Actually, like it's sort of, there's, there's no explanation here for the the sum total of all of these phenomena, which isn't incredible. Well, yeah, I mean, and then if they're all equally incredible, then like, you know, Occam demands that we look at things in terms of the fewest number of steps. And so I think that like, you know, the the, the fewest number of steps would be something like the, um, the arrival of the conquistadors on the shores of the Aztec empire. Um, which I thought Mel Gibson captured beautifully in uh, at the end mm, of Apocalypto. Yeah. So, so like essentially what we're talking about here is we're saying like, okay, so that's the fewest number of steps for me is that someone has arrived. It's not that the Aztecs were stupid. They weren't, they had their own technology. They had, they had a, a civilization that had, um, uh, uh, was literate that had mathematics that had, uh, all of the, Advanced all the things that they, we, they astronomy, metallurgy and like, yeah, no, right. Exactly. Exactly. So it wasn't, yeah. so it wasn't that they were completely out of it. They weren't like, they weren't a Neolithic tribe, like throwing around rocks, but like they, mm-hmm. they, there, here comes an arrival of, 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 of someone who has access to a technology or to end to substances with properties, um, that just simply weren't available. And so like, mm-hmm. uh, um, so, so again, so that's the fewest number of steps for me. So in other words, I'm not saying that 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 neither is sci-fi or or requires some degree of credulity in something that's not in evidence. What I'm just saying is that I think Occam says, it tells me and says like, well, maybe go here first. And I don't even think that aliens is second. I think second would be something more like magic. And the reason why I say something more like magic or like sorcery is because again, the human tradition has stories stretching back way past what anyone can 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 divine as sort of the beginning of literacy. Um, if we look at it, and 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 this is pan geographic, we're you know we will see that consciousness itself 
can be is seen as a thing that has properties that will itself can affect um, material what we can consider material reality. That that kind of magic is what I'm talking about. And so magic is actually the second closest explanation, um, not aliens. Aliens is third. I'm not going to say a distant third, but it's distant enough where it's just sort of like okay, well. You know, uh, we're literally talking about light years at this point in terms of we're, we're talking about physical dis- distance as well as like sort of distance from uh, the number of uh, steps in terms of, 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 you know, going through the order of logical uh, principles. So yeah, I, have I, mean, di- I, 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 don't, I don't see why it's, I don't see why they're equal. Yeah. So the distance, the distance thing often gets invoked as like, like, oh, my God, it's so far away. Right. And like. Well, I don't. Okay, yeah, I, I didn't. Mean, I don't. I, 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 don't, that I, don't a, okay. I, I don't find that as a strong argument. You know, first, because even as a relatively primitive species, in comparison to you know, what we've been talking about, we can all we can already think of like a long list of ways that we can use to transit that distance, right? You know, LCBA. whether we're talking about yeah, well, exactly at the most sci-fi well, I, level, you get the Alcadia air drive. But then you've also right. We do the wormhole uh, creator. Yes, I understand. I think distance is not even the the most important. You've got von Neumann probes. You know, like you've got sure, sure, sure. um, I I think that they could cover the distance. Yeah, yeah, they could cover the distance. It's sort of like yeah. I mean, but the number of steps and the number of assumptions. It's energetically expensive, but you know, if you're talking like a Type Two, like Kardashev Type Two civilization, like the 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 energy that they have available to them is i mean it, it, it makes interstellar crossing like 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 trivial in comparison to what they can harvest from their their, their own just one star absolutely you know? absolutely right. but i'm talking about the number of assumptions here the number the first assumption being that like there is there is life um uh elsewhere that that and it's not even the biggest assumption the biggest assumption i guess would be given the what we think the age of the universe is or our estimates of it you know the idea mm-hmm. that there would be some intersection between um, all of these different variables, all of these different that we have to be alive at the same time. Uh, we have to, they, uh, uh, they, they have to be aware of our position. They need to have developed the technology in order to traverse that distance or otherwise um, um, uh, travel uh, through a, a, a via some sort of extra dimensional portal well, this is, in order to is, arrive here. And then after why, all of that, having to, yeah. This is why the Fermi paradox is such a pressing issue right is because when you actually sit down to sort of like do the math on this um even if you're talking about uh a level of technology that is creeping across the distances between the stars at like one percent of light speed or something um you still spread across the entire galaxy in something like 10 million years right which is on the scale of like the 13.7 billion years the universe is currently estimated to have existed before. Uh, whether that's right or not, I don't know. Um, probably not, but uh, you know, that's trivial, right? It's, an, it's, an, it's, it's a cosmic eye blink, not quite an eye blink, but it's like, it's like a cosmic few minutes basically. Um, and so it's like, then, then, you know, then it's like, okay, why don't we, see them you know then of course if the uap people are right and we do see them we've been seeing them for you know all of human history essentially <laughs> you know they just don't feel like saying hi uh which 
so i mean yeah i don't know so that it's it's like okay yeah the distance looks huge to us but i don't know they use the aztec example again right like the aztecs would not have been able to conceive using one of their war canoes to cross the you know the great ocean uh and find the entire continent or multiple continents on the other side of the ocean it wouldn't even have, like that would have blown their mind I mean, like there's no way like how would you survive that you know because that was their level of technology just that wasn't possible um although they did have stories of people coming in the other direction uh which cortez took advantage of uh but then you know at a higher level you know for the european level of technology once they had tall ships like making that crossing was difficult and dangerous uh but doable and now that we have our level of technology like a transatlantic or trans-pacific ship uh, uh trip is a matter of hours and the most notable thing about it is how boring it is you know um well that's it i mean that's the thing though they're all we're talking about all humans here so the aztecs were humans the spaniards were humans they 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 were living at the same time. Um, one group would, did something that was seemingly impossible, and it was a group that was disguised from their eyes because it, again, because of the distance. In our current mode of of civilization, and it's this sort of global, interconnected, data driven civilization. Um, the idea it actually seems to me more likely that like a group could covertly do the types of things that we're talking about. Like, in other words, it's sort of like, you know, if we look at Maui, for example, and I don't want to get into directed energy weapons or any of this stuff quite yet, at least, but it's certainly <laughs> in, it's certainly speaking, within, it's certainly within the well, <laughs> speaking of sci-fi, but, but yeah, like, and yet, no, I, no, I don't, no, I don't no, think you need a weather right? machine so like, in order to do like, things to. I remember yeah. I had that article on Canada burning and I was like, yeah, I think it was yeah. arson when all those forest fires were going, right? And I had a bunch of people yeah. in the comments who were like, oh yeah, looking to direct at energy weapons. And at the time I was like rolling my eyes. I was like, come on, man. Like you don't need like sci-fi stuff. Like you can just do it with like drones dropping incendiaries, you know, like, it, like yeah. it's not. And, but then, you know, I started like, looking into that more and I was like, oh, okay. So like yeah. actually like the, the technology to do this has existed since like the 1970s. So like, yeah, it's not, know. it's not advanced stuff. It's making things hot from a distance, and then, uh, you know, right. microwaves and then, like, essentially. And, and then there were those like laser beams stabbing down on Hawaii from space like a few months ago. And it was like, okay, like, and like, you know, and everyone was like, what the fuck is that? Because like whoever had put those things in orbit, like didn't feel the need to like, tell anyone that their satellites were right. up there so, or what their satellites were for. Yeah. So this is interesting though, right? Because like the people that would sneer at this right now, that would sneer at the idea that uh, that Maui was set on fire in, in order to really create like an actual fire sale on some of the most prime right. beachfront property in the world. Like the people who sneer at that and say like, oh yeah, right. They shot lasers from space. They're not really sneering at the idea that we could shoot lasers from space. Like they maybe once upon a time they were maybe the boomer generation might have been saying something like that like we don't have the technology for that well everybody knows that that's trivial now what they're sneering at is the idea that people would actually do it that they would be evil enough to do it that they would be right. capable from a moral and spiritual um, uh, position to just make a decision like that and I'm like well you know you people have not been paying attention yeah. Harrison you know, I mean it's totally off the have subject, not been paying but... attention to any of history. But Harrison's yeah, yeah, recent post, you know, about the child sex trafficking type yeah. stuff going on in in uh, Omaha, Nebraska, in the late '80s, you know, 
involving high level Bush and Reagan administration officials, even, you know, it's just like, there's nothing new. These guys are evil as shit. Absolutely. No compunction about, Oh, I can make money. I can increase my power and by fucking over some people and burning them alive. All right. You know? Yeah. I mean, in a weird way, like the anti-conspiracy theorist people, like they give me some kind of a hope uh, in a strange way, because like what they're saying is by 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 screaming out loud, like, oh, you're all a bunch of, you know, tinfoil hat wearing this and such and such. What they're saying is they can't believe that people could be that monstrous. Um, and it's naive and childlike. Um, but like, again, like, you know, you don't hate children because they're naive. You you you, But you certainly don't listen to them. You certainly don't. Uh, use them as some sort of a guide rail for for decision making. Um, and when it, to bring it back to aliens for a second, like again, like with War of the Worlds, there, there is this. I see a huge incentive, a massive incentive to be able to tap into something which we've all agreed is like very very old, ancient, really. You know, this idea where we're talking about hieroglyphics in in in, in the pyramids of Giza, or whether we're talking about you know, um, Piltdown Man uh, in the form of Peruvian, you know, reptile mummies. Um, there's definitely like something, something in the human germinus where it's it, it, we sense that like if we had a threat to united to unite against, that would bring out the best in us. Um, and 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 that's again, that's not specifically sinister. Like that 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 can be turned to our advantage. It's part of no, who we are. Um, I, I, like, actually, but, I want to, Mark, I want to comment on that because that's actually like a really, so that, th- th- this actually brings it back really well to like, it's, okay, so let's say it's a hoax, right? Why would they hoax it? And like, you know, one of the explanations it's proffered is that, you know, you, um, it's, it's, it's the thing at the end of Watchmen, right? And alien invasion. Oh my God. Our entire species is under attack. We need to unite as one to, uh, repel the threat, right? And world peace breaks out. You know, the Ozymandias thing. Um, okay, so I am skeptical of that just because I don't think human group psychology really works that way. Like, I, I can't think of a single instance in history where an equivalent threat has resulted in that kind of unity, right? I mean, so you've got for instance, the Persians invading Greece. Some of the Greek city-states came together. Others threw in with the Persians. You've got the Mongols invading uh, invading uh, Russia, and, Russia and, and ultimately would have pushed on to Europe. Did the European kingdoms unite behind Russia? Fuck no. They left the Russians to their own devices. Uh, you've got the Ottomans trying to, you know, come into uh, try, trying to conquer Europe. And again, like, did you have European unity? Like, absolutely not. Like, you had a few of them cooperating, like the Polish and the and the Austrians, for example. But like, you know, most of Europe just ignored it. Um, you've got, of course, to go back to Cortez. You've got the invasion of the New World by the Spanish and the Portuguese. Did any of was there any unity anywhere? Or in North America with the French and the and the and the English, like and again, there was no unity between the native tribes or the the native states uh, in the South against the European invaders. Like they were sort of individually making their, um, like either either going to war with or making treaties with the uh, the invaders. Like 
That's what would yeah, happen. Yeah, but like, like but you're kind of you're kind of making my point for me. This is so sort of because it's like, it's like maybe maybe our our our, our evil overlords are sort of like so naive that they think that yeah, like oh well, we'll yeah, convince John. everyone that we're being invaded by aliens and that will bring everyone together. And it's like actually, I don't think I don't think it's if, if that's their plan. I don't think that's that's their work. plan. That's but the I'm way. I'm not saying it'll work. I I'm not saying it'll work. As a matter of yeah, fact, part, one fair one enough, of the key enough, properties enough. of evil is that their plans suck. Like ultimately, they have a blind spot a mile wide. Like they, it's 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 not just a moral blind spot; it's a strategic one. They they're not these aren't long term thinkers. They, they I, from what I can see, like very evil cunning. overlaps very, very well with short term st- tactical thinking. They're um, very cunning. Yes, good. Well, they're good at destroying stuff, but and so in division, yeah. but not so great at creating something great and lasting and bringing people together into they're, you know they're very it's cunning Dr. They're Evil very from Austin Powers. Yeah, it's just divide and it's, conquer that's the only thing they're good at they just want sharks with friggin lasers on their heads like it really is something like that like it's comical One like how short term their, their their thinking is that, yeah, the freaking laser. No, but it's something like that. Like, in other words, I want $1 million. You know, it's, it's, it's satire. The satire works because, again, like these evil geniuses, yeah, that's how they think. You're right, John. You're right that, like, it's not going to work out that way. Um, but that doesn't mean that the dream that they have of it working out that way, it doesn't well, mean that, it that if they're, they're positioned, if they're well positioned to do so, it doesn't mean they won't try. But did, is it that they're wanting I mean? to bring people together, or yeah, I mean, because one of the oh, things no. actually, you have these um, the pedophilia trafficking is it like with it seems like some of these elites engage in that, and I, I don't know if I doubt that it's because they really it's it's almost like it's the or, or say serial killers or any of these other things that engage in these kind of evils. It's like, it's like there's the the thrill of doing something that is evil, that is taboo, that is you know whatever and so it's um in this case is maybe it's just the thrill of dominating the rest of the species and getting them to fight each other and getting you know and and bringing about a a scenario where you're you're just i don't know for like in the same way that a, a psychopath uh serial killer ted bunny would enjoy just torturing and killing a a woman for no reason other than just to cause her to suffer and just get off on that like they sit back they create this scenario where they get people uh, questioning their sanity their reality and fighting among each other and it's just for them it's a fun game because they're sick and they're fucking evil you know it's like getting it's like getting everyone to eat the bugs right we're like the, the only reason that they're trying to do this is because it, it's it's humiliating it's humiliating yeah. so it's it's funny for them the idea right. that they can like sigh off so many people into eating like crickets you know like so yeah, yeah, it's like well, Alan Alan Moore was sort of okay. So Alan Moore is an interesting artist to me, and The Watchmen. I'm talking about the novel, obviously the graphic novel, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which was a series of comic books. Um, you know, he was like he's an interesting artist in the sense that he's almost right. Like anything that he writes about, whether it's V for Vendetta, whether it's Watchmen, he's so close. You know what I mean? He's so close to being accurate about it. And so like he, but he's also kind of childlike. He's also kind of naive. So in in assembling Ozymandias as the the sort of the villain or I guess you could say anti-villain of the piece, um, he he went to the what to the progressive left, right? This was Adrian Veidt, 
was like this sort of um, hero of the progressive left and the sort of, you could even say the corporatist sort of 90s um, neoliberal left. Um, uh, but like that was his secret identity. That was what he put out to everybody. He says he's basically a Clintonian neoliberal who's profiting from like action figures and, and he's built a whole empire in a business mm. empire up front, but it's all a front. His secret identity is still Ozymandias. And Ozymandias is this, again, like almost Leninist um, sort of hero, um, quote unquote, like where in his own mind, he is what he is doing, the omelet that he is making and the eggs that he is breaking are worth it. They are worth it because he is a utilitarian, but also a, a, a he presents himself as this profound humanist. And so in killing a million people to save a billion, this is his math at the end. He sees himself that way. And I think Alan Moore and many other artists like would like to believe that like almost all of these people are um, of the sort of the left wing model of, of psychopathic or, you know, a pathocratic um, uh, mindset. Like he would like to believe that they're all like that, they're, that they all think that they're working for the greater good. Just, whether it's yeah, eating just, the bugs or whether it's misguided they, or something. Right. And like, the yeah, they're just misguided. Have, like, they're spiritual evil that simply delights in uh degradation right. is something so foreign to their mindset and death and, also, and death and, and also i think like it it i think part of it to be to be totally fair to alan moore and like his sort of generation of creatives is that um it seems almost jejun to them you know, it's like dramatically less interesting if your villain is just evil for the sake of it. Um, it's so much more interesting if he's doing horrible things for the absolute best of reasons. And I get that because, you know, when that actually does enable a much higher degree of dramatic tension in a narrative where you have you know, the, where you can see where both sides are coming from and sort of be like, oh, he makes a good point, but he also makes a good point. And like, um, and then you're not sure even who to cheer for exactly. Uh, like it's, 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 it's more fun to read something like that than it is where you just have the kind of cackling supervillain who's just like, you know, cartoonishly evil. But those people do exist. <laughs> you know, like that's a, that's a feature of reality. So so and so those people don't you think that like part of the humiliation factor if it was alien invasion if that's the next psyop and mm. i'm gonna go on the record right now and say that is the next psyop gentlemen welcome welcome to it it's going to be happening it will be happening for the next two years um at the very least but let's say let's say that that is the next psyop the humiliation factor is is there's multiple ways in which it gets accomplished well, A, again, it, it makes people think that, like, my God, I am never safe. I am not safe in my home. I am not safe in my bed. I am not mm -hmm. safe, you know, anywhere on earth, essentially, because this 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 force, this overwhelming force from the stars that has technology beyond anything that I could possibly dream of. Which like, we don't I understand. Live so at we their don't whim. even know what... We don't even yeah. know what their technological capabilities are. We don't even know specifically what they are. You know, maybe they're, you know, you know, maybe it's it's fairly conventional. Maybe they have some kind of hyperdimensional technology and they can just like pop out of a wormhole in your fucking living room. Like you don't know, right? Right. Right. Yeah. And also it would also torment people in another way. And that is because a lot of the talk I hear about 
UFOs and aliens. This is an interesting dimension to it because I, I, and I think it's just an interesting topic in its own right. So like people say like, oh, well, if, if there was, we were to prove the existence of aliens, it would throw all of theology into chaos. In other mm-hmm. words, all the believers would be proven wrong. Anyone who's been talking about God or the gods or anything in any spiritual dimension forever will be shut up finally. Um, and certainly those nasty, nasty um, Abrahamic faiths that like that posit um, man as the as the child of God. Uh, like they would be finally and finally they would be defeated forever because like we would prove to them through science that somehow like, no, no, alien humans are not special at all. And by the way, there is no God because aliens. Now that, that seems, first of all, that doesn't even make any sense to some degree on a metaphysical level. I don't think the the existence or non-existence of aliens has anything to say about the existence of God. Not God specifically, but the the reasoning there. because obviously there's a lot of crossover between like sort of like biblical revisionism and UFO research is essentially that uh, all of that sort of mythology around the gods um, is essentially just recording human interactions with aliens back in an era when this was something that happened on a more day-to-day basis. It was more apparent. Right, right. It would, it would, it would set, so yeah, it would demystify like, the right. counts. So basically, and... it, it wouldn't be like, oh, the Bible is all bullshit. It would be like, oh, the Bible is about aliens. Um, which right. can, that would be one of the ways then, in which it would, which can then yeah. go one of two directions, uh, both of which are, are potentially um, problematic. Uh, so one of them would be, um, and therefore you should worship aliens, which, you know, right. like, <laughs> Right. And then the other one would be, uh, um, and therefore everything in this is kind of a psyop in its own, uh, including like that there is a supreme being or something like that. Right. Um, which is sort of like, you know, so, you know, we've detected that some of this bathwater is dirty, therefore we throw the whole thing out. And like, I mean, I think you know how I feel about that because I'm a little, I'm, I'm intensely skeptical, shall we say, of a lot of stuff in the Bible. But that has absolutely no bearing on my belief in God. Um, right. You know. Right. Uh, you and know, I think I the same thing could be extended like, to aliens because it's it's sort of like, all right, so aliens. Yeah. What does that what is how does that change the idea of what first principles and, and the idea of first cause? It it doesn't it doesn't change any realistic uh, but, just, okay, I don't but know. I should have a better go, word to, than to that. Go, but to go back to like the alien psyop, right? So like you have to like so okay, what would be the reason for? And like, okay, maybe they just want to laugh at people believing in certain things. Like, okay, but, you know, I, I think usually if they're going to go to that much trouble, like it's, it's, there's, there's another angle to it. And like, you, usually it's because they want to gather more power to themselves. So, okay, like, are they assuming that, you know, this would like the, the terror of the threat from the skies would then sort of like, you know, um, serve as a pretext for uh, you know a massive centralization of power and rollback of civil liberties, the, a massive shortening of the leash, you know, as happened during COVID, for example, as also happened uh, when the twin towers came down. Um, and I think you know the, the logical inference is that like yeah, that's probably what they would go for. But um, hold on a second, that seems kind of like a desperation move to me because like. If you have widespread belief in society that, you know, the, the earth is being invaded by hyper advanced non-human intelligences, like then um, 
why would our governments be able to protect us from that? <laughs> like, it seems to me that that would actually undermine their authority rather than uh, rather than increase it. You know, on the when you're talking about the reading the or some of the stuff in the Bible and other indigenous myths, like uh, or stories, like uh, Paul Wallace has this book, Escape from Eden, Escaping from Eden, and does some stuff on his YouTube channel, The Fifth Kind. Uh, he kind of reads it in that way, like the Elohim stories in the Bible, like translating that the powerful ones, and you know, anyway. Um, presenting it in that lens that some of the stories make uh, you know a little more sense or they i guess it's just a different way of understanding them but you know kind of now kind of using the the way these stories convey a truth without being literally true the um you know just like with the the ideas of ancient apocalypses like with um graham hancock and randall carlson talking about like the end of the younger dryas they you know the and without getting too far afield on that uh, point, like that this, these flood narratives or flood stories, you know, are, are, could be read in that way, commemorating an event where, you know, sea levels rose 400 feet in a short time. And, you know, there was this mass extinction and whatever civilization existed was wiped out. And that, you know, humanity was kind of reset to a more primitive level, you you know, in the same way, um, if you just take the, the, the bare bones of the story, you have the real God, whatever, or whoever that is. And then you have some angels, some powerful beings that are affiliated with or are are good in the, in alignment with the real God, whatever the real God's wishes are. And then you have the demons, these malevolent creatures that interfere with those plans for whatever reason. But the, there seems to be, um, you know, an idea that uh, from Paul Wallace's books, uh, you know, that the biblical narrative indicates and, and other indigenous stories indicate like that humans were genetically engineered by aliens, which in in his case, he doesn't, I don't think he really offers anything from a scientific perspective as, as, as evidence of that, but just saying that the texts themselves for the, the Bible and, um, Sumerian, you know, it is yeah. it is very strange that we have uh, uh, fewer chromosomes than all of the other higher primates. That, yeah. is, a, that is a really weird thing. Well, um, we don't fit in really on the planet either. Like these other animals that can survive in a state of nature relatively easily, and then humans. I mean, I know they're hunter gatherers, but you know, it's like we're so vulnerable to the elements, you know, compared to other animals. I mean, it's odd as well. Um, isn't the simpler solution that chromosomes don't have as much to do with what we're looking at uh, with the full picture of what we're looking at than, than some very, people there's something really ascribe to them <laughs> there's something i don't understand with and I, I i'm not a biologist but like i mean like you know different organisms have different numbers of chromosomes uh but then like how exactly does that happen because you know as something is evolving like in you can't reproduce with something that has a different number of chromosomes than you have. Um, so like how have you, like have you have... tried every combination yet? <laughs> no, that's true. I haven't, but I mean, to go back to go back to, to, go back to like the humans not really fitting in. Right. Um, I've heard the argument. I've heard that argument. 
I'm very far from really convinced by it because like it seems that that's kind of coming from like a, a sort of Eurasian perspective where we have to deal with winter and uh you know like if we and it's like okay but um if you accept the out of Africa hypothesis that uh you know the, the cradle of the species was actually Africa I mean Africans don't really need clothing <laughs> you know they just like sure. Right. Like, I mean, they, 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 they don't necessarily don't really need fire in order to survive the night. Like it's not um, like they're perfectly well adapted to their environment, in fact. And then, you know, all of the uh, human subspecies that have um, colonized the rest of the planet. Well, they did so with the benefit of, you know, technology, like fire, clothing, stuff like that, um, which meant that we didn't need to evolve for instance in the case of of europeans we didn't need to evolve like heavy pelts in order to survive the cold because we had fire and clothing so you know it just wasn't necessary uh so i, I don't know i i tend to think most of those sort of um apparent mismatches between human biology and terrestrial conditions are probably better explained by the fact that we're a tool using species. Uh, yeah. With, yeah. You know, I mean, with the, um, and uh, with Paul Wallace, I know he's like saying his scientific evidence is, is pretty thin, but you know, in terms of, it is an interesting thing that you have not just the Bible, but all these other, uh, you know, I give the example of African or, you know, uh, native South American, uh, you know, myths, stories that commemorate some of the narratives that sound similar to at least with this, some of the stuff in Genesis, you know, in the Bible that seems to be make more sense if you open up the possibility that maybe this is talking about extraterrestrials or, or some kind of advanced well, there's, yeah, civilization. There's apparently you know? like the, the, the Dogon people in Africa. Uh, I remember reading these guys a long time ago who um, talked about encountering intelligent fish people and uh were apparently aware that Sirius was a binary star which was something that we didn't figure out until sort of the 19th century because it's by bi the binary companion is a white dwarf star which is not which is very much not visible to the naked eye um so like so stuff like that uh which you, you kind of go like huh like that's that's i mean that and is that story true i mean that's that's one of the things a I, lot of these right like you know it like you, you run into the stories you know, okay is the story true like right. it's it's a good story but um but true but true is different than okay so like like to take genesis for example and if we look you know we have the two separate counts of a genesis the first one is actually pretty straightforward the first one is is just sort of the order of things, right? Like first light, then then sort of um, atmosphere, then you know. If you look through it, you're basically seeing like a kind of um, you know a summary of essentially like how how a, a universe it's comes a, into it's form, a, essentially right? an evolutionary it, sequence. Yeah, it's like you start with the most is, basic elements, and then you kind of like right, become, and then the like, forms become more complex, structured and complexified, right? right. And you and like right, so it's. Right, the, the the less complex animals and life forms, the culminating with humanity in the end. Yeah, yeah, totally. So the artist, so the artist can perceive truth, like these scientists, and let's say more specifically, the left hemisphere 
abstracting um, um, materialists, right? They need instrumentation. They need tools. They need models. They need uh, 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 quote unquote evidence, like in order to try to reconstruct a picture of reality. Whereas like the author of Genesis just boldly states it because that's obviously what happened, right? Something like that. Well, yeah, it's and something and along those lines. Like, like it's sort of like okay, I'm the argument that that came actually from from Plato's Timaeus, which I've been I've been reading recently, and like, and and, and that's actually a, a pretty reasonable argument because like, and, and, and uh, also, like, and if, whether it's whether and he could very well be the author, but my point is is that the artistic perspective is a little bit different, and then Plato, among many other things, was an artist. So what we're looking at here is, in other words, like direct um, sort of implicit well this implicit knowledge about the world or sort of direct observation of it genesis does it very well and yeah, i think that's a, why a, it's an enduring I, I, I story say, i wouldn't i wouldn't say necessarily i mean there's creative aspect to it but it, it, it is also like this kind of like logical deductive kind of thing where you you know you can sort of like start with like okay you know what is necessary for human life and you back engineer from that right and it's like okay well you need, right, land, right. You need water okay so those must have been there before humans okay well humans need to eat stuff so that means they need plants they need animals so those must have been there before humans you know okay well you know animals and plants also need water and land and air so again like the water and there must have been there before the plants and animals were and then you just you just kind of like logically you're just directly apprehending reality yeah. which is you what i think need... real artists do yeah, yeah, you don't need like instrumentation. The instrumentation is like your senses, essentially. Like the, the instrumentation would be of like, nature provided. Right. So like Mycroft Holmes, for example, um in in, in his story um in the Arthur Conan Doyle legendarium. Like it's sort of like he is the right hemisphere essentially, and to, to Holmes' left. Holmes is the investigator. Mycroft already knows the solution. He says to Holmes, he says, now go out and prove it, right? It's something on the order of that from what I, what my dim understanding of what I've read of McGrochrist so far, like tells me that it's something on that order. So I'll jump to the end of the story now. The, we looked at, we talked about Genesis and how people will manipulate that and say, aliens responsible for everything, worship them, right? Um, this is the, they'll say that it's the most plausible explanation. Let's say like, look, the artist figured it out, the, the ultimate truth of it. Uh, the science scientists and the sciences will figure out sort of the material reduction, um, reproducible uh, explanation. Uh, so let's go to Revelation to John of Patmos. Right? What did he say was going to be the you know? And again, maybe apprehending truth directly. He did not talk about aliens coming from the skies. What he talked about was a great illusion. Everything that was described in Revelation was not about, yes, there will be forces um, beyond human comprehension, and you might as well call them cosmic, I guess, not extraterrestrial, but cosmic. But what he also talked about was deception, right? A great deception. The the, the false prophet would come, and, and people would be shown um, uh, great signs and wonders by this person. Uh, he could look like a gray alien for all I know. You know, it's like if he arrives tomorrow and it's a gray alien talking about world peace and like how to achieve it. Uh, yeah, look, I mean, score another one for the Bible, because like I, I do think that the simpler explanation is human deception, because we are cunning monsters as well as beautiful, you know, children of God. Uh, there, there are designs on everything. 
And if we don't think that this is one of those, let's put it, here's another way to put it. What if there are aliens and also this is a psyop? In other words, what if what if, what if it's not exclusionary to say that like people that is, are planning some sort of fake is, alien invasion, is, even though there exactly, are real aliens? That, that is exactly my my preferred interpretation of all of this. I mean, just because it's just because the aliens are real does not mean it's a psyop. Just because it's a psyop does not mean it's not real. That's kind of what I was getting at with like the tilt down man comparison. Right? It's like that was a psyop, it's a hoax, and yet like missing links are real. You know. Um, so like i could definitely i mean COVID, same thing right i mean you had all those people uh you know a year into it it got really big or you know viruses aren't real like all of virology is a giant psyop and has been since like you know the, the germ theory is totally you know and i always thought you know that's absurd um and then the you know the, the weaker version of that was like well COVID doesn't exist Right, uh, like the existence, like viruses are real, but COVID isn't real. And like I, you know, I've gotten sick from COVID. I tested positive when I got like viciously ill with it. So like I'm personally pretty convinced that COVID is real. And but COVID being real does not imply that it was not a psyop. Like it very obviously was a psyop. I mean, like we saw all the manipulations of, you know. Uh, infection fatality statistics and um, uh, and, and <laughs> death rates and, and just everything, right? And like, you know, we all live through that. So like, you know, it's very, and like, you know, if you wanted to do a PSYOP about something, really the best way to do it is when you're playing off of something which is actually real. Because like the the less you have to make up, the more convincing your deception can be. The best psyops are the ones that are like, you know, like you know, ninety nine percent completely factual, and there's just that one little bit of like manipulation which is like slipped in there in order to vector things in the direction you want to go. You know, even like you take something like more political, like a like a color revolution, right? Um, in most of those cases, the, the grievances that are being used to get people out on the streets are typically quite real grievances. You know, like they're pissed off about the corruption in their local government or whatever. Um, and, you know, most of these like second world countries have like really corrupt governments like that. That shit is all true. Right. Uh, and yet it's being used to manipulate the population into doing what they want. And you get to kind of see like a mirror image of this sort of method in the concern that the ruling class has over malinformation right um where like they're they're not just concerned about people spreading things that aren't true on the internet misinformation and disinformation they're concerned about malinformation things that are 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 completely factual but are being used to manipulate the population in ways that are inconvenient for the ruling elites. Basically, like, you know, things we don't want people to know because, like, that'd be bad for us, right? Um, but the fact that they're so worried about that doesn't just imply that, like, you know, they're a bunch of liars, although that's also true. But it sort of tips off, like, you know, kind of like their method as well, which is not typically to just make things up whole cloth, although they do that sometimes. It's, it's more to sort of, like, use the true things to manipulate the things that people do you know george floyd he died 
with a guy like kneeling on his neck, you know, like that all happened. And yet like that was used in order to try to do a color revolution in America. So, um, yeah. Yeah. And, and, and again, that's, that's a great point because you get, you know, we talk about like, well, how would this look if they were trying to pull, um, pull off something like an Ozymandias maneuver. And like, I think that it would be something like that. In other words, there's a difference between simulated reality and artificial reality. So it's sort of like what was done with George Floyd, in particular with that video of Derek Chavon, was was to essentially take real images and recontextualize them or or, or strip out and, and present them in such a way through editing um, and through carefully managed um, narrative structure in order to produce the desired effect. So I think, again, you know, minimalism, I do believe, is like, part of the reason that we don't see like these simulated or artificial events related to aliens quite yet. You know, again, if, if it is something like that, a maneuver, a, sci- a psychological operation um, intended to produce a, a particular result. And I, I just spoke about this before we started. It's like, they can't fuck that up. Like that would be the, that would be literally the, the, the curtain being pulled from the wizard of Oz. Like once, if, if if they move on that, it has to be something that um, is either a very gradual approach and something where they're 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 carefully managing an image um, that was either designed or again, like you know, with with George Floyd, it was an image of opportunity. Um, so it could be something like that, an image of opportunity, um, or it could be something that's very very carefully. Um, designed in advance um, and produced in advance. Um, I thought it was interesting that like um, in um, towards the end of um, just to bring back a uh, uh, watchman uh, towards the end of that book, um, when they actually confront him in his, you know, art declare, um, he, he, they, they preface it by him um, killing all of his minions. I don't know if you recall this, but he essentially poisons all of their chalices Every all of his employees, all of his all of his um, right hand hand men, all of those scientists and artists that he employed for the purpose of saving the world, he executes. Um, and again, he does this because it's sort of like, well, I can't leave anyone alive to tell the truth about this. You no know, witnesses. It's, it's not. Yeah. It's, again, no witnesses. No witnesses. So again, so it's sort of like so, and it would have to be something like that, like in order to pull off what what they would try to pull off which would be again a a move to conquer the world essentially um and to, and and again john you mentioned the idea that like well like it's a double edged blade because if they say that there's this threat that like from from alien alien invasion and that we all must unite to defeat this threat um you say like well they're they're it's counterintuitive because they're saying that this threat is so severe that they can't counter it but if they're managing the narrative right and if they're if they're creating the propaganda just so, and, and you could you could look at decades of propaganda um, in the entertainment space for this, um, if they manage it just so, then in, in fact they could galvanize people um, and 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 again prey on what's good in them, like say prey on their heroic instincts of of men, of men for example, and say of course you want to join up, of course you know like Starship Trooper style. Like of course mm-hmm. you want to you know join up and be manly and and go on an adventure and and abolish this threat. Um, uh, they could certainly present it that way, and I think that they would, um, but not too much because again, like what's the goal? The goal would be to simulate that 
and then have everybody else though essentially being uh, cowering inside of um, bunkers um uh uh you know to be used and exploited yeah but the, uh, you know this idea of a great reset. I mean, if they are, for example, thinking, well, there's these problems. Humans aren't. I mean, if going with that angle, if they're trying to get everybody to like a manageable, well, managerialism, running the planet, you know, in this orderly way where everybody's unified, one world, you know, I, you know, try the whole platonic or from the Republic, you know, the idea that you have the guardians of knowledge. They know what the truth is, but they invent these lies or kind of. A re- the noble design yeah. to, and then promote that and then use this uh, whatever alien fake invasion or real who knows whatever it is these signs in the heavens to convince people okay this is what this means this is what the this represents and here's the religious truths that you need to you know um yeah, I mean, like they they could do some real weird shit. Like I've always, the, my I I love the China Convergence is really good, and I and I've and I've read some more of Lyon's work since then, and I and I and I do agree that like it, there's a lot of powerful stuff in it. I think like the the problem that I see with the managerial is explanation is that it could look like something tomorrow different tomorrow. It could look like a mystical religious cult tomorrow. Like, well, like and it would probably people, fall apart. It, I don't think it would work. You know, for the reasons. No, yeah, they it, would try. It doesn't mean they wouldn't try it and try to roll exactly. out a religion based on, hey, look at all this stuff going on with this alien invasion, and this is what's being revealed now as the truth about things, and it's like it's all a lie, but then it all falls apart and backfires, and yeah, you know, sharks with friggin' lasers, like like they're not that smart. Like that's the thing. There probably are intelligent really, people among them. What would be really funny, Andy, if they uh, they faked and hoaxed an alien invasion. And then the aliens actually invaded. <laughs> now that yeah. is the story, my friend. As a matter of fact, <laughs> that that would be the most hilarious result. And knowing that you know God's a great comedian, among other things, I think that's exactly what would happen. <laughs> it's almost the way if you you know, depending on rev- how you read Revelations. I mean, I don't know what to make of it, but uh, some of the stuff it, it kind of would fit that model you have somebody showing up and claiming to be well standing in the place of christ or whatever like this the the fake alien invasion here i'm your new world leader now to save humanity and you know the real thing shows up but anyway so like with elon Elon musk's maxim that the most entertaining outcome is the most likely (laughs) um so like to me that would that would be uh the alien invasion is real but everyone is so exhausted <laughs> by psyops and like buried in hyper reality like in morgoth's piece on this which we didn't even mention but i guess i haven't read it, it's great um but like no one believes it slash no one really cares you know and the aliens spend like a year trying to convince everyone like no like we're actually here yeah. we're real we're taking over and everyone's just like ah, i don't believe it this is it's all like that off. meme and eventually it's... the aliens are just like they just get frustrated and they're just like fuck this and they just go home and like you know human it's and that you know the punchline is humanity's like you know pig-headed refusal to believe in stuff because they're so lost in hyper reality is what ultimately <laughs> like saves humanity from the aliens invasion <laughs> it's like that meme that you like you've seen that uh the alien comes and he's you know and he's like hey i don't know whatever the announcement is and then you got some guy right, who's right, like, right. oh man i've just got a lot going on right now yeah yeah exactly yeah the doomer with the cigarette hanging in his mouth he's yeah. like the alien's like he's like he's like 
Hello. Aren't you yeah. amazed? We are, among, we are among you. Are, are you not amazed? And the guy's yeah. like, man, I got a lot going on. <laughs> exactly. On, on that note, maybe we should uh, uh, wrap up for today. What do you say, gentlemen? Sounds good. Yeah. Yeah, sounds yeah good. Harrison, you've been you've been quiet for a bit. Like, you, uh, do you have any uh, concluding thoughts for us? Is because you put you well, you. I think you know more about this subject probably at a detail level than any of us do. Well, I'll I'll wrap up by just riffing on that idea of the the real alien invasion hijacking the fake one well just by tying into something that uh that we were talking about earlier about the whole well that mark was talking about the whole alien thing like why aliens why extraterrestrials and uh so i think i think we can tie in that with a lot of what of the discussion that came afterwards is that there is a very real psyop that's been going on for for generations now related to this like extraterrestrial alien thing, I think. And at least I think that's a, a plausible explanation for what's going on. And that uh, I'll just point out a couple things. One, if you look at a lot of the people, a lot of the big names lately, like you could include Grush in there, but like Lou Elizondo and uh, you know, the guys around Bigelow and all those guys, they're actually very careful about not using the word alien or extraterrestrial. And when they're asked about that, they, they say it's because, well, that's, we really have no evidence of that. And there are probably, like, according to them, there are probably alternative or even better possible explanations. And that's why Grush in the, in his, uh, at, the, at the congressional hearing said, oh, you know, well, we can throw around the, the hyperdimensional, you know, hypothesis that uh, these are, that whatever's going on is, is somehow a result of the, you know, the uh, a higher dimensional intelligence that is interfacing with our reality and that's just one you know one theoretical possibility that he lays out but a lot of these guys are are, are actually very careful about getting away from the extraterrestrial hypothesis including jacques valley who's been a ufologist you know one of the one of the biggest names in in ufology since the 60s well even before then I th well i know i think yeah since the 60s and he he thinks the extraterrestrial hypothesis is the, the the weakest one and that um so he and like john keel and even like today tom DeLong, you know a guy like that the the triumvirate of the of kind of like ultra terrestrial hypothesis they they would argue that the ultra the the extraterrestrial hypothesis is a, a smokescreen and that it is a um a psyop on the part of whatever this non-human intelligence is and that there's a for whatever there's a, a specific reason or for you know for whatever reason that they are presenting themselves in such a way that the, that people will naturally think in terms of aliens or extraterrestrials when that's not what is actually going on so there could be this uh this like higher level deception and illusion going on in that the phenomenon is real and it may even present itself as extraterrestrial or, you know, maybe something else, who knows, but that all of those are just part of the, the shell game and that there's actually something else going on behind the scenes that isn't even necessarily a human made, um, a human made deception, that this is a deception on a whole other level. And so, well, when you tie that in with the, the real alien invasion it's like well what maybe it'll be a, a real invasion but what's the what's the nature of the of the actual um intelligence involved there are other other options available so those that would be my final thought 
of course, if I was an invading extraterrestrial species and I wanted to get a huge advantage over the humans I was invading, I would certainly want to seed the idea that I was some kind of hyper entity beyond their ability to understand mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. you know to draw and to draw analogy to cortez again you know cortez did not see the idea amongst the aztecs that he was a god uh but oh boy did he ever take advantage of that mm. well i think harrison's saying the opposite though in this case we were talking about something that is no he is he's absolutely he's uh, absolutely he's absolutely saying the opposite that's he's absolutely yeah, saying the opposite. But like and what's I, interesting what, what about I, that is I'm not I'm, yeah. what I'm kind of ripping off of is basically just like saying like well you know yeah. like, that's exactly what ET as, would say <laughs> exactly yeah, <it's>, right, that's, <laughs> right. Like, you know it's like insofar as ET is running its own psyop like the part of the psyop could be like you know to to make us think that they're far more than they really are right so like I guess like one last thing that I would say um is like you know assuming that it's a real phenomenon so you know why suddenly all the activity in the 20th century you know, it's like, okay well we're going through this period of rapid technological development um and you know maybe like the way species develop technologically is not that you have this kind of uh singularity in the sense that you get like you know infinitely um sophisticated go becoming godlike ais or you know whatever like whole ray kurzweil thing but maybe it's more of like a phase shift like a step function sort of thing kind of like you go from one level of development to another level of development in a very short period of time and this is just a thing that happens to intelligent species um you know from whatever origin right and our species is going through that right now hence we have drawn attention from uh other entities in the universe um who maybe uh, either want to prevent us from going through that or they want to control us on the other side of that transition so that we're part of their coalition and not the enemy coalition, like, you know, whatever, right? And maybe, part, and maybe part of that could be, like, convince us, convince us that they're way more than they really are because that will lead us to... But, you know, it could be, how how advanced are they really? Like, how far beyond, like, we usually assume, like, oh, they're, like, millions of years more advanced than us. We could never comprehend what they do. But, like, you know, if you were to take, like, an iPhone and, like, you know, hand it to, like, um, uh, I don't know, say, like, James Clerk Maxwell, right? Like, someone who is even, like, you know, well qualified by 19th century standards to understand something like an iPhone. He wouldn't be able to make head or tail of it, right? It would be so far beyond his comprehension. Uh like similarly, like you know, technology a hundred years in advance of ours, we'd be we'd be like, what the fuck even is this? You know, quite quite possibly, unless we stagnate. Um, so like you know, these hyper advanced aliens with their like weird hyper dimensional stuff, their spaceships that are bigger on the inside than the outside, so looks like magic to us. Looks like they're like millions of years in advance. Maybe it's only like a century or two. I'll say I'll um, say this uh, in terms of uh, technology and what what it is because like we think about it as a set of tools and um, and sort of that are mapped to uh, internal models of things. So the movie um, and it's probably one of my favorite. It might be my favorite film of all time, uh, 1979, Ridley Scott's Alien. So if we look at the word alien, you know, we, we because of um, because of uh, the way that 
sort of mass medium um, uh, commercial artwork, like like kind of inhabits and, and contaminates like our view of things. When we say the word alien, well, we think like, well, that must be something with um, this from a distant galaxy with that's of technological sophistication that can, you know, that can somehow um, outcompete us in some sort of dominance hierarchy of intelligence or something along those lines. But like Alien was not like that at all. And I've, I've often argued that a better title for the film would have been Demon. And the reason is simple. Um, first of all, the design of that creature, I don't know if you know the artist H.R. Giger. Uh, it was responsible for designing it. Uh, I used to do. Collect, I know the um, artist. I used uh, to have his. Yeah. I used to have his paintings like I, all over my. Absolutely, I had the Necromonicon one and two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Absolutely. So, so if you know it, he's, he's sort of like a Hieronymus Bosch kind of a character, kind of paint painting these, you know, biomechanical um, hellscapes. Uh, uh, a lot of it's done in airbrush work, but it's it's sort of like a you know um, what he conceived of as alien, in other words, other is what the etymology of that word is. It means essentially other, and and, and in a particular use of the language, other than human, obviously is what we're talking about here. And to Harrison's point, again, like what what alien was, like, it, you know, it's like before they started attaching names to it and, and species and labeling it, I, I blame um, Jim Cameron for all that bullshit. But essentially you had a being that was... Um, incomprehensible. Its entire life cycle was incomprehensible. It, first of all, it, it starts, uh, you think about the order of things, right? It's a, you, there's somebody encounters an egg and a spider jumps out of the egg and, and rapes, a, uh, sodomizes a man's mouth and, 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 and impregnates a man with a snake that uh, jumps out of his chest and within a matter of hours grows into a eight foot tall skeletal black uh, uh, creature color, covered with phalluses. Like that's a demon, ladies and gentlemen. You could call it an alien all you want. You could claim some sort of biological origin for it that maps neatly to our understanding of biology and of life. Um, but if something is truly, truly alien, and I think that this is what Harrison was referring to, something that lies outside of our, our entire spheres of competence, all of the domains of knowledge of physical reality that we've accumulated so far, then if the alien invasion happens, uh, it will not be technology that saves us. So like one thing with the alien. In the, and it, but it doesn't mean that we will not be saved. It actually, and this is actually in, it, it, consistent with what you're saying, and it never gets remarked on, is that, is that um, as far as I can tell, it, it really does subtly break uh, some physical laws, in particular the conservation of mass. Um, so, okay. Yes. You have this thing which is growing really fast, right? But wait a minute, what is it eating? Where is it getting the mass yeah. to do that? Because it's not eating the Great people. Great question. It it's not eating the people that it, it predates upon, right? It's like laying eggs inside of them, and it's doing that, and it, it, it's embedding them in this like gooey stuff, and it's like a little nest, right? But it, it has to produce that stuff as well. So like you know, it's like where what what the fuck is its food source? Like you never actually see them eating. That's a, that was my first question upon seeing the movie. I'm like, how did it get right. that big? 
Yeah, right. You know, it's like right. it's like it's 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 something more like a mythology. Like it's a creature mm-hmm. out of a like a. You ever if you ever spend any time reading some of the batshit like sort of Native American um, uh, mythological monsters, like anything about them, it sounds a lot more like something like that or something out like of a, like, like um, a skinwalker ancient, or, like or East, or East Asia. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's sort of like it's it's, it's not it's and not. It's, and then it's like it's got these like sharp teeth, right? But again, it never actually eats anything, so it looks like a predator. But like it doesn't seem to actually use those teeth to like. It's worse. So like it's got two mouths and it doesn't eat anything except possibly for Parker's brain at the end. Yeah, it's it's, it's it's very bizarre. It's like the only purpose of its entire terrifying mouth is to terrify, right? Which again, what does a demon do? It eats your fear. Yes. Which which then connects into like one of the darker alien hypotheses and the UFO thing is the whole loosh thing. Right? They're eating, they're they're farming us for our negative emotions. But um, I don't. Know, I feel like maybe well, that we, would explain all the probing, for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, Dan. Did you have any? Did note, you have any? Yeah, Dan. Dan you have any, what, any, what about any you? Things? No, well, nothing that would except that would take us. You know, a kind of in a different direction um so maybe for another day i mean we probably could talk because the the religious side of it is just interesting i mean because it it could be two different framings or i don't know two lenses for understanding a similar underlying you know reality that we just get i don't know it's like uh what's it now i mean you're the parable or the allegory of the blind men all feeling the elephant and you know, none of their descriptions seem to match up depending on what part of it they're feeling. You know, it's kind of like we're talking about some underlying reality that maybe we don't have direct access to or good information about. And there's a lot of bad information out there. And, you know, you have these different framings for understanding it. Some like a physical, you know, UFOs or alien, you know, species from another planet that are kind of like us biologically, but more technical, technologically advanced. But then you have the hyperdimensional or the spiritual angle or the you know then you can get into simulation hypothesis and you know um, and, and it's all these things could just be kind of symbols or, or metaphors that are in some way referring to some reality meanwhile clumsily, some of, the blind, some, some of but, the blind men are deliberately trying to deceive you and the yeah well and then you got that going and on the elephant, and the elephant is trying to trick you yeah and so it's like, you know, there's there's other things that could be said. I mean, especially you, know, you get into the religious a- angle and some of the ideas around, I mean, the book of Revelations is really interesting to, to me in that way. Um, you know, even uh, one of the ideas that doesn't get discussed a lot, but in one passage, I forget the, the exact passage, I wrote a Substack post about it a while back about just that there's this timeline that's given where, you know, Jesus comes and everything's great he reigns for a millennium although it's not necessarily that amount of time but just some amount of time where he reigns on earth and everything's great and then he leaves with his people and then there's this the devil has been bound during this time and then the devil is unleashed to just deceive the nations for and and then everything kind of culminates into armageddon and it's just an interesting idea that Again, I don't know what that is exactly referring to. Maybe it's just you know mythology, or maybe it's referring to some reality in a in an artistic, visionary kind of way that you have. Um, you know, the the devil now has this um, 
we're in that age where the devil's deceiving everybody and you've got a false history and this is building up to something. And there's like this accelerated timeline that they're on. And actually, uh, my kids are getting dropped off by their mom. So I hear the doorbell ringing. So I'm going to be back. But uh, anyway, y'all can carry on and I'll be back momentarily. I think that's a good note to end on though. Yeah, yeah maybe. All right. Okay. All right. Well, that, that right. said, uh, thanks for joining us for another tonic discussion. Uh, hopefully we'll see you next week. Uh, take care. All right. Bye everyone. Bye everyone.